Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 85 for the 25th of July, 2008. How's it going? I'm doing very well, James. I'm sitting in a, a very warm hotel room in sunny Moscow. And uh, through the power of the internet, we are talking on the very big couch. Indeed. And uh, I'm sitting in a cubicle in uh, <laughs> sunny England. Well, it's not actually that sunny. It's looking a bit grim here at the moment. Oh, really? But, uh, you, can't, you can't have it all, can you? No. So, there we go. Anyway, bags of news and Couch eighty five. This is uh, we're going to talk about the standard mix of business news, technology news, bit of content delivery, mobile gaming, and uh, other stuff. Indeed, and there's a and lot of as ever, a lot of interesting news going on. Yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. Looks very good. Um, now I'm a bit of an Apple fanboy, but I'll let you do the first story. Oh, really? Uh, I feel privileged. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the uh, Apple's just had their. Uh, their review of, of what they've been selling. And uh, uh-huh. it appears that, in fact, they've been selling Macs. Who would have thought? Well, quel surprise, as they say. Uh, and, in fact, I mean, we, we've heard some reports about how Apple are now selling uh, now the, the third biggest retailer of PCs in, uh, right. in the US. But they've actually sold $3.6 million worth of Macs. 43% above last year. And they that's only about four or five, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's, that's a lot of... That's uh, almost a million desktops and 1.3 million wow. notebooks, which is, I've got to say, a sizable amount of... Uh, a sizable amount of maximum They're like number three in the US now for selling computers. Yeah, right? which is quite Dell, amazing. Dell and HP. So it's an interesting strategy they've got from, uh, you know, the whole iPod, uh, you know... Uh, the halo effect. Halo effect, effect that's it. That, uh, and then mm-hmm. people uh, looking to see, looking to use other devices other than just PCs. And we've seen that with the yeah. netbooks, with people happy to get something that's not even running Windows, but just happy to use a browser. And uh, obviously, mm-hmm. people getting over the fact that they have to have Windows now, looking at Macs as an yeah. alternative. And uh, yeah, it seems to be working really well. Yeah. And I think the, I mean, things like the iPhone working in the corporate environment with Exchange and push email and as a BlackBerry, mm-hmm. corporations maybe are looking at it as well. I mean, it's quite well entrenched in the kind of academic world. But, yeah, uh, academic, uh, video production, graphic design, that sort of area. Uh, yeah. But uh, it it's almost seems like it's, it's kind of made a, uh, a bit of a step into the mainstream. Well, we'll see. I mean, it looks uh, good, good for Apple. I am a shareholder, I should point out at this stage. <laughs> um, but the sh- share price hasn't done too well because they did actually announce in the quarterlies as well that their, um, the margins were probably going to come down a bit. So right. But they also uh, announced that there was going to be a strategic change in one of the products. Or a new strategic product or something. Hmm. Um, you know, and everyone's speculating it's going to be an EPC so super sub notebook or right. something like this. Um, well, they never seen... So, you know, you can never kind of predict what Apple's going to do because they don't give you a lot of clues, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, there. and a, you know, one loose word in a, in a press briefing doesn't mean much, no. uh, but you know, everyone <laughs> likes to speculate, don't they? Um, 
in the UK, uh, I think we talked about a bit about this is under discussion in the US, mm-hmm. but um, the major ISPs in the UK appear to have done a deal with the, is it the Recording Industry Association or the, the British Phonographic Industry? Yeah, so the equivalent, of, uh, equivalent of that in the UK. And six mm-hmm. of the UK's biggest ISPs have signed up to start sending nasty letters to customers, uh, cut their uh, connection speed down if they download illegal music. Now, well, and this is it's more than that. I mean, I was listening to something on the radio the other day and saying that you know, essentially even ripping CDs isn't legal in the UK. Even, so, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, so, and they just really want to look for a levy on almost every single transact, every single ISP. And, and it was, you know, a couple of pounds a month or something mm-hmm. like that per person, yeah. um, which I think is, is probably the wrong way. It's a real, you know, the British phonographic industry needs to just innovate, change the game. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I'm just astonished that uh, we've got BT version, Orange, Tiscali, b and Carphone Warehouse, uh, who are the, the big six, I guess, in the UK. I was astonished. How, why, would they, why would they be motivated to, to sign up to this? Uh, but it appears that the, the government's got involved. And uh, I think they got them all in the room and said, look, guys, uh, either sign up to this voluntarily or we'll legislate. Well, maybe it's before, vi- before it happens for video because the video guys aren't that concerned because still doing video is quite a concern. I mean, music isn't, isn't a huge amount of bandwidth. Mm. Um, you know, half an hour of music. Yeah, it's, you know, 10 megabytes, half an hour of video is is you know a, a gigabyte yeah. almost you know or something like that so um obviously depending on the resolution so i, I guess they probably want to make sure the the door is bolted before the horse escapes mm. kind of thing and the horse being the the, the video Indeed. Area. because one of the concerns here is you know free they don't make any money from people uh, they're all now doing pretty much the sort of as much as you can eat deals mm-hmm. so if their networks get flooded how can they make additional money without investing a huge amount more in upgrading all the infrastructure to allow larger bandwidth. I mean, I know there's talk of the uh, people doing 100 megabits to the home now, I guess fiber to the home in the, the cable. Yeah, world, like BT uh, and Virgin are talking about 100, 200 megabits to the home. Okay, at that point, yeah, but that'll be a trial in a small village where the <laughs> CEO lives or something. You know how it is. Well, it's going to take a couple of years, but BT are committed, uh, committed like uh, 1.5 billion pounds to doing that to, I mean, it's certainly going to at least cover London, if not uh, all but other major yeah, They probably spend £10 billion a year anyway upgrading the network. Mm. So it's just a, you know, it's, it's good PR, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but once it gets to that kind of, of you know, maybe 100, 200 megabit to the home kind of range, then, you know, downloading movies is just not going to be a problem anymore. So yeah, I think you probably right. allow, you know, six kilobits of BitTorrent. So, you know, I think that's... Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. They, they are probably trying to get all the ISPs in line so that when it does get to the point of everyone downloading large quantities of high-definition video, they can say, well, we did this for music, so you should do the same thing for video. Interesting. Mm, indeedy. Um, you've got a story here about Microsoft upgrading. Is this DirectX going up to 11? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've, it's quite a substantial article on what Microsoft's thoughts are on gaming, especially for the PC. And, right. uh to be fair, uh, the, the stuff on DirectX 11 was interesting and then the rest of it I kind of fell asleep. Um, so it's, it's like there's lots of stuff they're saying, but they're not actually got any clear direction. DirectX is the graphics standard, uh, which they invented basically because uh, Windows 3.1 and Windows, uh, even Windows 95, had a very uh, convoluted way of accessing uh, the graphics 
hardware from a game, which meant that the graphics right. performance was terrible and people didn't want to write games for Windows. So they, they invented this thing called DirectX, which the idea direct being uh, DirectX, direct access to the hardware, mean, means that the game uh, programmers can have uh, much tighter control over the hardware, produce better graphics and hence better games. So this is a, a competitor to OpenGL? Uh, I think it incorporates some, well, at least it, it, the same sort of functionality. I think it has some sort of, uh, if not the same, but uh, equivalent to that sort of functionality. But it's Windows proprietary, I guess. Absolutely. But then they get support from Absolutely. the graphics card vendors exactly. to support it natively or whatever. Exactly. And DirectX 8 was, was uh, kind of the standard for all, and DirectX 9 came out. And the fuss with DirectX 10 was that they completely changed the way that the programmers had to access uh, DirectX stack. And their argument was, right. well, you know, we want to do some really cool new things. You have to change the way you do everything. Uh, and the other kicker to that is that Microsoft insisted that DirectX 10 was only available in Vista. Now, there's no reason right. for that. They just decided for business reasons that that would be the case. So if you want a DirectX 10 well, there's graphics, a reason they want people to buy Vista. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, well, there's no technical reason, I guess. So you're right. Uh, so they've, they've forced people, uh, forced the industry really into a kind of two-tiered uh, scheme now. So programmers for games are in the, in the troublesome position of having to program in DirectX 9 for you know, all the legacy, massive amount of legacy hardware out there. Basically, it fragments the, the PC gaming market, I suppose. Exactly, into, into two tiers. Uh, DirectX 11, now that they've announced this, is, is kind of saying, well, we don't really want to uh, fragment it anymore. This is a step beyond DirectX 10. But uh, I think the interesting right. thing about DirectX 11 is it allows access to the, the graphics processing unit to be able to be used for more things than just 3D graphics. And this is okay. interesting because we've seen... Well, I mean, that's part of... We talked about that from the, the Kronos group and the OpenCL, wasn't it? Open Computing Language. So yeah, exactly. you could run general code on GPUs. Um, Which uh, GPUs don't do very much, but they don't do that very much very, very fast and lots of it. So if it's a simple calculation, yeah, they yeah. can do a lot of it in, a, in an amazing amount of short space of time. Mm. That's quite exciting to see what will happen with that, but that's quite some... It's a long time away. Uh, yet, I think, um, but it'll definitely be available uh, in Vista, not anything else. But I mean, surely that I mean if that fragments the market. I mean, I don't know Xboxes. How many Xboxes are there? Do we know? Is Xbox Three Sixties is ten million between yeah. ten and twenty million, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's still a pretty. It's it's a fraction compared, I presume, to the PCs capable of running. Um, True, DirectX Eleven. There'd be hundreds of millions of. Uh, the boxes. Most there. people aren't running games on those machines, are they? I mean, I guess still, if you're a gamer, you're going to get a console. So, yep, and, and uh, <laughs> that's probably yeah. true. So, uh, I think it's Microsoft trying to take a step and uh, take control of the the PC gaming market, which it's a massive market. Uh, it's just it, well, but then I heard at E3 there wasn't really much console news for console games. Everyone, oh, sorry, um, PC games. Everyone announces for consoles, and it's mm. kind of assumed there'll be a PC version. Um, but again, kind of an interesting environment. Um, moving on, I guess, to content news. Yes. This was a kind of um, a thing called SOC, which um, the Selectable Output Control, which the, mm. the FCC um, is trying to impose a... Uh, I don't know if it's the, it's the FCC and the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, want to basically say if we're going to if our members who own the movies are going to broadcast onto your system mm -hmm. they want to be able to disable various outputs on the the set of boxes dvd players blu-rays or whatever to prevent 
um, leakage effectively so they don't really yeah. want digital outputs to be able to, to be so and if you've got a firewire connection on your set up box they want to disable that um, or similarly if you if you can output analog in RGB which is essentially still um, high definition they want to downscale that and I think we, we talked about this it's been in the standards for a while but um, I think someone's actually agreed for one to it haven't they yeah well the, the I mean the history here is that the FCC mandated that the uh, hardware with digital outputs needed to have some sort of control over whether those outputs were used or not. And then they said, yeah. okay, well, uh, now we, they, they got petitioned by a lot of people who said, look, this is no good. And uh, at the moment, there's going to be lots of people with analog televisions that can't actually watch this content. And so they said, okay, well, you, you have to have this selectable out- output control on your devices, uh, but you can't use it yet. And what's happened yeah. is that the MPAA have petitioned the, uh, the FCC uh, saying, yeah. well, what we really want to do is uh, allow us to, if you allow us to use this selectable output control, then that means that we can allow movies, uh, high, de- high definition quality content uh, prior to the release on DVD. Uh, and so what happens well, is... Simultaneously that, with theatrical release as well, yeah. which I think is, is moving the windows, isn't it? And enabling Absolutely. new business models. Exactly. So, so it allows a new, uh, a new tier, if you like, a new gap in, the, in that kind of uh, flow from uh, the movie theatres all the way down to DVDs they didn't have before. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, the MPAA's argument is if you allow us to do this, then that gives us the flexibility to create new models. Customers have more flexibility of their content. Everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. The argument from the other side so you've got uh, and, and tri- who, who is the other side i mean who who doesn't think it's a good idea i mean that's that's the bit that i don't quite understand well the national you see the, the fundamental thing is that the argument's not so much actually about the uh, selectable output control the argument is actually about creating this new window and so the national exactly. association and of, i think it's the fcc which is the, supposed to be the consumer representing the consumer they're the ones who are saying it's not good for consumers but yeah. In my mind, it is good for you. It's, uh, well, the National Association of Theatre Owners uh, have argued that there's about 30,000 theatres across the country that are represented in that group, and their filing to the FCC says, look, uh, what we really want to do is make sure that people go to theatres and enjoy the content in the best way possible, and if you allow this new window, then people aren't going to go to theatres and watch it in the best possible way. They're going to use this new window, and so in fact, but the theatres will suffer. Know, if the uh, the MPAA, there's a quote here from a guy called Grover Norquist saying, you know, um, the, the logistics and costs of getting your family to a movie theatre, finding seats together, buying, you know, popcorn and stuff... <laughs> is making it certainly in the current climate difficult for people to afford to go to the movies very often. So, I mean, surely the MPAA represents people who make the films. They should know. I mean, anyway, yeah, we, we shouldn't... Uh, let the listener decide. What do you think? Let us know. Send feedback to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have your feedback. Because, uh, I don't know, there's lots of people who have uh, different arguments either way. Some people are scared that once uh, the... the uh, the content owners have control over this flag. They can they can switch a movie off whenever they want. They can say, oh, okay, well, I guess the people who don't want it are the people who it's things like the Independent Film and Television Alliance, the people who own the theatres, um, and I guess the vagueness of stuff. So anyway, have a have a think, have a a thought about that. Now we've got a couple of stories about music as well, as well as the ISPs in the UK saying, you know, you're going to pay for your extra music. Uh, because you're all pirating it anyway. We've had, uh, <laughs> we've had a couple of sort of um, stories here where B Sky B, who's the dominant uh, 
satellite broadcaster here in the UK, uh, I guess similar to DirecTV or Echo Star in, in North mm-hmm. America, uh, with Universal Music is planning to launch a digital music service, another musical download service. Now, why do you reckon um, basically we would be into digital music downloads? I've no idea. Maybe it's just, I mean, they've got a brand and they want to leverage it, I suppose. It's just to say, you know, it's, it's, to, it's that additional top-up service where you can say, oh, and, and they do music as well. Whether, whether it's <laughs> going to be bundled, I don't know. Well, let's, um, I mean, looking at the, the way the marketing guys at BSKB work, we had the, uh, the iPlayer for BBC, and now we have the Sky Player for BSKB. Yes, yeah. And uh, we have iTunes. So guess what this one's called? Sky Tunes. Sky Tunes. <laughs> Which I is think actually, they cool actually I did hear they'd actually registered that name several years ago. Oh, okay. Um, so they've been waiting for an excuse so, to use it. That's yeah, a and also, though. I guess, in the, in the light of the government saying, you know, ISPs, and don't forget, Sky is also an ISP. Indeed. So, you know, you can't, in one sense, mm. you could cut people off, but you've got to let them have it as well. It's a bit, uh, you know, mm. a tricky one. And I'm not sure, you know, they, are they really going to be iTunes? Well, um, they've only got Universal's catalogue, which, you know, they're a big one, but they're, you know, of, of the big four, they're only one of the one of the four. So you can exactly you can download hundreds of thousands of songs from artists like Amy Winehouse, U2, uh, Duffy. Yeah, but I don't. I Rihanna. mean, we've talked about this before. I don't know which artist is on which label. So. <laughs> well, exactly. You, you don't care which which label they're on, really, do you? Uh, absolutely. I've you just want to be able. To I just really don't care. I I guess Universal need maybe they need to have some leverage when they're negotiating pricing with iTunes. Yeah. Um, well. So. Absolutely interesting to see how that goes. As soon as they're as soon as they're up and running, I'll give it a go. Mm. See what it's like. And uh, Yahoo Music mm-hmm. um, sent an email uh, earlier this week telling all their customers that they will be closing for good. Ooh. And they're like the mic. I guess they're using Microsoft DRM. I guess I don't know. So this um, is this is like the Microsoft uh, Music Store. How it decided to close its doors and. No longer allow yep. people to and move take, their content around. <laughs> they lock the doors and take the keys with them. Yep. That's the so again you can't transfer your content to other devices mm. after September the thirtieth. Oh gee, that's so, pretty close, isn't it? So you better be get yeah, uh, burning those CDs. Maybe both of the customers were upset. <laughs> no, uh, maybe they figure there's not enough customers to do a class action lawsuit. No, that's exactly. The, uh, well, there was certainly enough with Microsoft, but maybe not so much with Yahoo Music. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, let's wait and see. Um, I, I mean, I, do you buy a lot of music online, Ian? I buy all my music through iTunes, pretty much. I, I mean, I've yeah, tried me a few of these I mean, other services, lot, but, but mm-hmm. yeah, all these other services have been uh, yeah. really, well, <laughs> iTunes is just so easy. <laughs> you just click and well, download exactly. and um, walk away. Have you ever used, I just, I know it's not, maybe it's a bit early for a segue to mobile, but I've, I have upgraded my phone my iPhone to the mm-hmm. OS 2 with a bit of Ooh, nice a bit of nail biting over the weekend <laughs> but I, have you ever used the Shazam program Shazam no which is a it's a, an app where you basically launch the app and you you hold your phone near the music oh yeah and then literally 15 seconds later it tells you the name of the track the artist I, and obviously it, on the it iPhone it sounds like magic to me it is. It's Shazam. You know, it's like Shazam, <laughs> and then you know, one click, you can buy the song from iTunes. So wow, does it work? Have you tried? I tried it. Yeah, I did. I was just listening to the radio yesterday morning, and I thought oh, I'll give this a try. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously need to have access to um, uh, a broadband signal or a three G. You need yeah. to have a decent bit of bandwidth to upload the song clip. But it was literally fifteen seconds. You know, from when I started recording, it told me who it was and click to buy wow so that's uh you know, 
I'd certainly think that you know that that's something you just couldn't do until you had a broadband. Um, mm. That's amazing. Signal, so, but uh, anyway, more of, more of that iPhone shenanigans later on. Um, Sony has um, opened up their ebook readers. Have they got a new version of that out as well? Or is it, no, it's the um, same. It's is, the same reader. They've well, they've, they've had two versions. This is the second version, I presume, and they're updating the software. Uh, so that right. you can actually download and buy electronic books from stores other than Sony's store. Right, and they've got a new standard called the EPUB or something. An EPUB for, is the first outside format for which supplier can copy, protect a book to prevent piracy. So it's like a, is this, they're trying to do the um, kind of PDF for ebooks. Is that the idea? Yeah, and but secure them in a way where you can guarantee the ownership and so on. It's an interesting move yeah. from, from Sony, who has historically never allowed uh, openness in anything with their platforms. I mean, all you need to do is look at the memory stick and their uh, yes, yeah. uh, insistence that every Sony device has a, a memory stick as opposed to you know an SD card or anything else that everybody else uses. Yeah. Uh, the ABC yeah, format, uh, everything to do with Sony has always been about you know, it's yeah, our the, the world. We want to capture you. Format, all yeah. that kind of stuff, didn't yeah. they? So, yeah. so it's interesting to see I them. I had a play on a Kindle. as a bit of an aside. A play on a Kindle earlier oh, in the week. What was it like? Um, I think that it's, I mean, it's quite a neat device, I must say. Um, uh-huh. The design's a bit geeky. Um, mm-hmm. But the screen's very readable and um, it's quite neat. It doesn't, it, obviously, it, you can't use it here in the UK with the CDMA, the WhisperNet stuff that mm-hmm. uh, Verizon provides. You can't download the books very easily, but you can buy gift tokens in the US and get the books delivered over here. And okay. you can email stuff from your Amazon account to a sort of a munger, which will turn it into Kindle okay. friendly stuff. So, um, but uh, what was it like yeah, I mean, changing? Because the, the pages change and get flash black before they go back to the text what was that like they to actually kind use? of flash through white but there's quite a neat kind of mirror bit on the right hand side that is a kind of a selector bar and and right. the interesting thing as well is you can search stuff mm-hmm. you can search every single piece of content on the kindle wow um, that's cool for, you know text strings and stuff which is quite cool so anything you've loaded up on it um and so yeah, not bad um so sony is is hopefully going to i mean these devices are quite expensive as well i guess because they yeah. come with this bundled wireless delivery mechanism in the u.s i don't know if they'll launch a european one but i guess still problems there because of the cost of data services as you would say <laughs> that's right so um, uh moving on to mobile news now yes There's something here about ads for, for the iphone yeah this is um a little company called uh, AdMod, or i guess it's a small company um but they're trying to come up with a new kind of ad format, I think, or new, you know, what's the best ad format. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's, it looks quite good, you know, giving away a million pounds brackets of advertising. Um, <laughs> right. How does that work? So they want, they want, I guess it's kind of in-game advertising, but for the mobile phone. Okay. So you produce a um, game for the iPhone. It has advertising in it. And yeah, and I guess, can... you know, why not have in-game advertising to pop up while you're playing? I mean, fantastic. I mean, I guess if you're producing a free game, you want to be able to get some money for it somehow. Yeah, or well, I guess it's another targeting. It's like if you were targeting ads on specific devices, um, you can target specifically to iPhones because it, it identifies itself as a, a different browser. So mm-hmm. you can go in and you can just give iPhone specific ads. I guess you, you probably got a you know a nice, attractive demographic for iPhone owners. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. So. 
maybe AdMob is just seeing it. They said only like 1% of their ads today are going to iPhones, but mm. uh, maybe that's, you know, that's where the money is and the brands want to be. Definitely. So. I mean, they, they, they are already serving up 34 million ads a month to iPhone's Safari browser already. So they're already in that market. Mm. Yeah. So, but it's just interesting. I guess it's just you know they get some free uh, advertising. Maybe they're looking for uh, oh, they're looking for second round funding. Ah, right. Yes. <laughs> that seems uh, or, something. <laughs> or something like that. So, um, so tell us a bit more about your iPhone, James. You've uh, managed to upgrade it to version yeah, two. Yeah, um, I had some nail biting moments at the weekend when I managed to use the, um, the Pornage app to uh, to create. A, basically, you create a custom phone image mm-hmm. with the new firmware on. Uh, and then you load that onto your phone using iTunes, so it's relatively easy. Nice. And I've, I've, it is. It's. Uh, I must admit, I had to do it twice because the first time the phone kind of didn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a bit worrying. But it's you know I've been through I've been there before. Uh-huh. Um, so I managed I managed to get it working day. again. Yeah, it's. Um, a bit worrying sometimes, but uh, then I thought oh, I could always buy a three G one, so that's exactly. all right. good excuse even. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, so what is, um, what's it like? What are the apps like? Are they, are they any good? Are they fun? I think they... the the coolest thing I wanted to do was download some of the new games yep. because I think essentially the other things I haven't really used much of. I mean, the location stuff mm-hmm. isn't going to work so well because obviously there's no there's no GPS, so yep. that that's not going to be much of a difference. Um, but games, I got Chromag Rally uh, first because I I played that actually years ago and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, how good is that? Um, <laughs> pretty pretty good. And the yeah. the novelty of steering the stuff through, wiggling it about, that was fun. Um, perf- performance, it was dropping a few frames here and there, and it did mm-hmm. say in the instructions, you know, please turn down the sound effects and the audio. Right. Um, I guess there isn't a dedicated audio processor in mm-hmm. the device or something, so that takes quite a lot of uh, uh, oomph out of it um, but you know generally fantastic little game and then I was so encouraged I bought a, bit, a pinball game as well nice what was that like which was quite fun mm-hmm. not bad not bad I mean it's, it's a pretty small pinball table but uh, you can still do the tilting and all this kind of stuff and then I thought well in for a penny in for a pound super monkey ball come and get it <laughs> so super monkey ball I've only played it for a, a few minutes but it, it, again it's quite fun mm-hmm. um yeah, it is fun. I mean, it, it, it is quite a, a cool game. Uh, in the App Store, other stuff I've got, I've got like the lightsaber. I've got a few freebies. There's one which turns it into a pint of beer and you can <laughs> fill it up and drink it and stuff. Okay. Um, so, I mean, basically a lot of the things which were in the, the homebrew arena have also appeared online and they're either free or, you know, 59, 99 cents or the 59 pence is the UK mm. price. Um, so that's... Uh, no, I'm... I'm uh, I'm chuffed with the upgrade. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a whole new phone. Mm. Um, it's a good incremental step is what you're saying. Yeah, and I haven't tried to get it synchronizing with Exchange and stuff, but I might give that a try when I'm uh, bored, which isn't likely to be soon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think it's a pretty good upgrade. I think it, it, there's obviously a few um, bugs there. One thing I have noticed is my battery life is a lot better, but I think that's the yeah, previous nice. uh, hack I had didn't really turn off the Wi-Fi very well. Oh, so, right. Um, always a bit of a, a, a steal there. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, generally, I think that's, uh, that's pretty good going, actually. Okay. Um, and iPhones still run out, I think, the, the 3G version. I think it gets to the stage, it, it's like uh, the Wii Fit, where suddenly mm. people say, oh, actually, uh, I'd rather fancy one of those, and then you find you can't get one. Yeah, and the very fact that you can't get one makes you want to have one, because I, I walked into a car phone exactly. store in uh, sunny Putney this week, uh, only to find yeah. that uh, 
I said, oh, have you got any, any iPhone 3Gs? And he laughed at me. He actually laughed at me. He went, <laughs> okay, right, so you don't have any. Okay, um, well, I'll just go away then. That was, that was, that was the entire exchange. Uh, it wasn't like join the queue, mate. No, it, it was, was like, uh, there's no way. Like, they're all gone. They're all, it's all over. So, yeah, uh, yeah. There is, I mean, there is allegedly, um, the, and the tool I use to upgrade my old one, mm-hmm. uh, currently you can still... Um, liberate and unlock old phones but the, mm-hmm. the 3g one is the, the the open source the dev team as they call themselves haven't managed to to free um 3g iphone so you can use them on any network yeah i think they've they've managed to allow uh new you know, homegrown applications to be downloaded onto it but not uh, not network exactly unlocking. exactly interesting mm. so moving quickly on to a brief bit of gaming news just a quick note on uh, the wii Photo channel, which has been yeah. there since the beginning. You can plug an SD card in and view photos on your uh, on your TV. Yeah, I haven't really used that very much. I really actually have. All, it's I surprisingly say. surprisingly good. Plays little music stuff in the background and has nice transitions. And you just stick a card in, away you go. But uh, what they've allowed now is uh, for Fuji uh, to print out the photos for you and send them to you. So you just kind of pick the ones you want, send them off, and uh, okay. you get some prints back in the post. Only in Japan, presumably. I can see we've got some screenshots yes, in the show notes. It is which, only. Um, Japanese by the look of it. It's like you've got an EPG as well for TV, but in Japan. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I suppose they try a lot of things there, so that's uh, cool. I've also bricked my PSP, so I'm trying to unlock that. I oh, just no. got one of these Pandora batteries, so I'm trying to uh, um, go into the world of homebrew in my PSP, but I don't actually want homebrew. I just want to make it work again. Mm. So um, any tips anyone could like to send me that would be really uh, very good I've kind of managed to boot it up with lots of uh, with the ability to allegedly do homebrew but I still fail so um, maybe this weekend I'm, if it's raining I might have a chance to look at that now um, the wacky news you've got something about fungus the videotape or well, something we've, we'll about. We've, uh, we've all got collections of VHS tapes gathering dust on our shelves uh, but the bad news is that according to the Telegraph uh, there's a report that uh, because they haven't actually been used for a while, they're sitting in a in a damp location, as in England. Uh, there's a new fungus yeah. that's uh, worked out that videotapes are quite quite yummy, really, and it's right. forming a white powdery coating coating on the tape, which of course makes them unusable, ruins the heads uh, of the video player if anyone has video players anymore. And uh, video restoration experts claim that once this happens, the tapes only fit for the bin. So. Uh, there's a bit of a panic going around now about all our copies of you know videos with important stuff of you know kids first oh, no, ride on the bike. wedding video. That, you, you'll have to, to watch you'll have again. to copy it, James. It's it's, uh, it's going to get <laughs> fungus. Believe me, I don't want to do that. But I, I I guess people tend to think media lasts forever, and it doesn't. Exactly, um, and even uh, I think about every every fifty years or so, basically you have to switch it or, or re-archive it. I suppose. Yep. Yep, and uh, even um, I, I remember it was, it was probably a couple of weeks ago when I grabbed a CD of some music I was doing about four years ago, and it was a copy of uh, some uh, recording of the music that I was uh, had uh, put on a, onto a CD, a recordable CD. Popped it in my laptop yeah. and couldn't read it. The whole CD, and I'd used the CD mm. before, it was definitely working, but now after four years... Uh, this CD was no longer readable. So this media yeah, we always I, assume I had some is... Uh, DVD writers, actually, that I couldn't... I found were... You know, it claimed I could record them, but they just wouldn't play back. I think, that, you know, they definitely do go off. Anything that mm. is recordable media, it's... I mean, I know sometimes they claim they'll last forever. It's archive quality and all this kind of stuff, but... Uh, 
DVDs don't last for forever. They're certainly the ones you make your own, yourself and, and CDs as well. So, so yeah, I guess uh, um, at least you don't have to worry about fungus at the moment for DVDs, but uh, watch out for those videos. Indeed. <laughs> and your tapes as well. My, I mean, my wife's still got tapes and stuff, so they, they presumably are just as susceptible, but I guess they're probably more noise tolerant. Yes. Uh, mm, so, interesting. Mm. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Indeed, and thank you, Ian, for uh, and thank you, Skype, <laughs> for making this this podcast possible. Indeed, okay. um, brilliant. So, have a good week, Ian. I will, uh, and we'll uh, hit the decks next week for episode eighty-six. Indeed, goodbye from me, James, and goodbye from Ian. Cheers. Bye.